0: Welcome to Home Education Matters, the weekly podcast supporting you on your home education journey. Hello, and today I am joined by Claire, Veronica and Kate, and we are going to be talking about how to home educate and run a business at the same time, because... It is a very special beast, I think, being able to do both because you're, obviously home education is very full-time and then doing anything else is reasonably full-time and so juggling those two and dovetailing them together. So we thought today we would kind of, I don't know, try to explain how we do it a little bit um, and some of us don't do it very well looking at me here because <laughs> I so, always feel like I'm dropping things rather than spinning my plates in the air. So let us start with Claire. Claire, would you like to tell us a little bit about your home education journey, but also your your home education business and how that dovetails together?
1: That's a really interesting segue because I have two websites. Um, I've just recently split them because they weren't making sense as one business anymore. And one of them is called Spin My Plates, Ah. (laughs) which is exactly what you just said. Um, And the other one is the Easy Website Club, which I think, you know, speaks for itself really. Um, So my home ed journey uh, really came out of a journey of trying to get a diagnosis for something that was happening with my son and becoming more and more disillusioned with the whole process of hospitals and schools and how they treated us during that process. And it's not the people in them. It was the process and the the way it was all just created, the red tape, the stress and and the length of time. So it took us, my son has um, a form of Tourette's called chronic tic disorder. Um, He probably has ADHD as well. He certainly has all the symptoms, but we are too traumatised by the first diagnosis to go through another one now. So we're just leaving it. He's okay at the moment. But the hospital had sent recommendations to the school for things that would help him on this journey. Uh, And the school wouldn't do them because they hadn't written the letter correctly. And so I had to go back to the hospital and say, can you change how you write the letter? And they're like, no, we can't write anymore because he's been discharged. And it just, you know, none of the things that were advised were done. There was budget issues and he just wasn't supported, even though the school were genuinely really lovely. They just didn't have the commissions or money or whatever to support him.
0: I'm guessing um, what you found was a kind of you were you were in between two huge megaliths, you know, you, the education system and the health system. And the two weren't talking together and you were sort right. of stuck in the middle.
1: It's almost like they're fighting each other as well. And you're stuck in the middle. And, and when you when you have something that's going on, that's really impacting on your life and you're a primary age child and nobody seems to know what to do. It's quite unsettling. And he didn't feel safe. And he didn't feel cared for and his mental health started to decline. I was already self-employed, uh, so I knew I could be flexible with my work. I didn't choose to have my own business because of home ed. I chose to home ed because I had my own business. So mm. I could, mm. it was a slightly different way around. Um, um, but we I wanted him to complete primary school because I thought that things might change, and then COVID happened and uh things just went really spiraled downhill like to the to the extent where he was doing things like bashing his head really hard against a wall to make the ticks stop and stuff like that and um it was just really traumatic and I was just I can't keep making this child go to school where he's miserable no just wasn't learning he was spending all his time outside of the classroom or in the head master's office because that was easier than being in this overwhelming environment with all the noise he doesn't cope didn't used to cope well with those sorts of things so I've pulled him out of school. We've been home edding for, I think, well, since the beginning of the pandemic, basically. I just didn't enroll him in a secondary school. Um, and he is and we have taken our home ed journey real slow. So anything that seems like school or feels a bit lessony is completely rejected. So we're largely unschooling and I'm gently trying to introduce things at the side without calling it educational school or lesson or anything like that. And we're just exploring the world together and he is a different child and everyone who knows him has remarked on how much he's changed and how much more confident he is and how much more knowledge he seems to have about things I've never taught him. So he can (laughs) tell you all the different makes and models of all the aeroplanes in the world just from the silhouette of the aeroplane and I have never talked about aeroplanes. So
0: It's funny how they get into these things because my son for years would go to sleep with a, a really big, thick textbook of battleships and and like there's nothing he didn't know about battleships and and then you think in a school like they would do battleships for like one lesson one time in primary and then never again and you think all these poor children who have this like burning love of a subject they'd get like one afternoon maybe doing it in a school and then after that they wouldn't be allowed to (laughs) look at it again
1: yeah he's explored so much more he's been able to learn so much more on tagged on to the side I was so nervous about the idea of unschooling I never told anyone that's what I was doing I kept it a secret even from my partner <laughs>
0: <Okay>. really
1: <laughs> education <laughs> yeah we've done loads
0: <laughs> because it's working and you know you've clearly got demonstrable evidence that that your son is thriving are you more open now about this is what we're doing this is how we're doing it
1: I think because unschooling is still treated as a radical idea to people who don't understand homeschooling home education let alone unschooling um i uh, i don't always say how i'm doing it it depends who i'm talking to
0: in the home ed community you must get lots of support because i find that it's not a radical idea in home ed is it
1: no not at all yeah i don't i don't have any problems talking about it with people who know
0: <laughs> and so did you carry on With the same workload that you did sort of like when your child was in school, did you carry that on when they were out of school or did you sort of um, bring your workload down or did you sort of refine how you approached work? So it's that's a difficult question
1: to answer because I think my workload would have changed regardless. So during that time that we were trying to get his diagnosis and I was struggling with getting him into school, I was also um, at the beginning of a five year journey to recover from PTSD So my mind health uh, and I'd had a lot of things that had happened. Um, I think I've lost count. It was like seven or nine close people to me passed away in a two year period. And my son was ill. We had problems with the school. I was in a very difficult relationship at the time that I needed to escape from. Mm -hmm. Um, And so home life was a bit awful. Just everything was topsy turvy. And I was running three businesses and if not doing any of them very well um and what I realized now looking back is that what I was doing was throwing myself into work in order to try and pretend nothing else was going wrong anywhere <laughs> mm. um and so as I started to recover I realized that that wasn't sustainable and I closed them and started a different one
0: oh so you yeah. closed all, all your more. businesses and started a new one
1: yeah mm. and that was a really difficult decision because I felt like a failure <laughs> but I needed the headspace. I needed some breathing time and mm-hmm. I couldn't juggle. I couldn't spin all the plates, which is where spin my plates ended up from. And it was actually my therapist <laughs> who needed a website building who said to me, but you know how to do this, don't you? But nobody, you don't offer it as a service. And I'm like, yeah, I've just done it for fun because I'm a bit of a geek, you know, a bit of a tech geek. And she said, well, would you would you do mine? I need a website. And I said, yeah, sure, why not? It's, you know, anything to repay you. I felt like she'd saved my life. Um, and that just ended up blossoming into her going to networking and saying, oh, I know this person who built my website. You should get in contact with us.
0: So um, for you, the two things dovetail quite nicely because because did. you refined your business down to one business or well, two businesses. right?
1: Yeah. Well, and and well, that's what's what was weird, how things developed because as I was doing more and more of that, people were coming to me saying they wanted a website and I was asking them why. And no other web developer had ever done that. So I was going, okay, what do you want it to do? This is a lot of money to spend. Have you thought it through? What's your marketing plan? And they're like, I don't know. I was just told I have to tick this box and say I've got a website. I've got business cards. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. It's what I should do. And I don't like the word should because we should all over ourselves. It makes a really big mess and it's difficult to clean up. (laughs) Um, So I ended up accidentally coaching people in their business. So I did a coaching and accredited coaching course because I thought, gosh, I'm doing this job now and I'm not trained in it. And I want to join a professional association, make sure I'm doing it right. So I did that. And and that. so I've been doing business coaching and websites and uh, marketing and stuff for, uh, I think, probably about three years now. Uh, it's the same amount of time I've been home ed in, basically. And then just recently, um, some of that has branched off into a form of life coaching that I've been using on myself to reverse my negative thought patterns that make me depressed and trigger mm. my PTSD so I've learned some of these techniques and I'm wanting to teach other people them because it might help them if they can't afford therapy or they've been doing therapy but now need the tools to go forward with mm. so that's just kind of literally a couple of months ago has morphed into that so I've had to separate the two because the life coaching and the business stuff doesn't really seem to it didn't work together on one website so I've built
0: to <laughs> in actual fact that what you say there about reversing negative thought patterns is exactly what I specialize in as a life coach oh ah, fabulous! small world so <laughs> let's move on to Kate Kate would you like to tell us a little bit about how your business and home education life dovetails or whether it doesn't and how you've got to where you are today
2: yes absolutely um it does dovetail 100 percent. in fact our whole lifestyle and life was designed around wanting to home educate and unschool our children and when I always wanted to home educate my kids before I even had children or was pregnant it was kind of a dream of mine Um, and then my partner was a secondary school teacher in London in a really rough inner city school and he really experienced um, it was a secondary school but he was seeing so many children coming through to secondary school having been failed by the whole primary school system and that just confirmed that there was no way if we could avoid it, our children were gonna go to school. So then um, as soon as our first son was born, we were still living in London and we were like, okay, this is the catalyst, we need to make a change. We kind of threw everything out the window, tried to think about what we actually wanted our lives to be around, what our values were. And we kind of pieced together a life that we could create where we could just, our values of spending time as a family, being out in nature, Um, and just having joy and kind of having the freedom to do what we wanted to do. So we ended up buying a property with my parents, which wasn't even on the cards six months before. It was just kind of something that just came together. So we bought a property, moved back to Norfolk, which is where I was from, and uh, left our jobs. And then um, we actually, on the property there's, we've got 20 acres. Um, And so kind of part of the plan was to set up a glamp site so that our kids could come along with us. So when they were babies, they'd just be there with us while we were prepping the accommodation. I'd just be breastfeeding and then they'd be polishing cutlery and we'd just be there together as a family, all working. we go and coppice our woods together as a family. My youngest, when he was two weeks old, he came down in a sling with me um, just to manage the woodland. And so it kind of there isn't really a difference between our home ed and our life. We've just meshed it all together. So um, yeah, we can just be really flexible. We live in a multi-generational household, so we have grandparents and they have just the most amazing strong bond with their grandparents. And actually it wasn't on the plan, but two months after we moved back to Norfolk, My in-laws moved from up north to be in Norfolk because they wanted to be near their grandkids. So we have both lots of grandparents really close by and just being kind of a constant support for the kids and for us, um, which is just so beautiful. And it wasn't anything that I could have kind of designed, but it just has happened.
0: Do you think that having your both sets of grandparents close by has been helpful for you to be able to run your business as well as unschool the children?
2: Yes, it has. They're, they're a crucial part of it. We wanted to raise our children amongst as much of a village as we could. That's kind of one of those things, like, I think we're designed to do that, but our modern society doesn't allow us to. Um, so we didn't quite know it would look like it does, but we wanted to be close and we wanted to have grandparents and family as part of our like weekly life, just kind of always around. Um, so yeah, our each... Um, each sets of grandmas have our boys one day a week so they and they're now fully on board with the unschooling and just like love love it it's been a lot of kind of um it's taken a lot of conditioning or unconditioning for them and thinking through our whole process and being really open because it's, it's quite confronting to not only have grandchildren that are being unschooled but to live with them and to kind of be immersed in that world and our whole lives are just normally set up around kind of control-based parenting and school so yeah that's been really interesting to observe um and to see the great bond that my kids have with my parents especially my dad who was working so much when I was a kid didn't have the time to spend with us and didn't connect in that way and now he's kind of doing it with the next generation which is really beautiful
0: do you Um, find that um do you find that in some way difficult as a a child who perhaps didn't get that attention from your parents do you find that then do you sort of look at the way they are with your children and think 30 years too late for me kind of thing
2: (laughs) I have done for sure but now eight years down the line um it's just more gratitude grateful that I can create this life for my kids and give them that bond and that connection with their grandparents one of their um my partner's dad died when my oldest was two and my youngest was four months old. And so that was like a real reminder of how important this relationship is with their other three grandparents. They were so young and they didn't get to really know that know him. Um so yeah it's just gratitude now. Just um although obviously living with your mum it can be a little bit frustrating. (laughs) (laughs) That's because they're always right about things and it's really annoying. Always right. Yes, they've got their ways (laughs) of doing things and any other way is not right. yeah it's been interesting well I went to boarding school when I was 15 For from not living with my parents from 15 to then moving in kind of buying a place with them at 30 has been really a really interesting <laughs> journey
0: I, I feel like there's a whole unspoken story behind that <laughs> of, of working through things it's yeah. funny because I have these conceptions of London and I I have two conceptions of London and one is that Uh, the schools are very good there. The state schools are very good in London because there's lots of academies and lots of money. And my other conception is, and I say conception because they're possibly misconceptions. Um, My other preconception of London is that it's very, very easy to home educate there because there's a a lot of home educators based there and lots of activities and events. Did you at any point sort of question whether you were making the right move or have you ever looked back and thought, wow, we're a bit isolated here or look at all these things going on in London or anything like that?
2: No, I haven't actually. We didn't choose to move to Norfolk because there's a strong home-ed community here. We moved here because this is where both me and Seb met at boarding school and it's where I was born and spent kind of the early years of my life. Um, But actually now, eight years down the line, I know so many people that have chosen Norfolk because it's got such a strong home-ed community. So it's really (laughs) beautiful that actually what means home to me has got that. I think what I find when I see people in London is that it's just, it's so big. And this is what we found having just friends in London. You, it would take you an hour at the least to get to see those mm. friends. So actually there is a massive homemade community in London and there's massive everything in London because there's just so many more people. But um, I don't think that we would have found the kind of homemade community that we found here in the same way. I think um, I think it would have been harder. And the school system this the school that my partner worked at was a struggling school it had it was on special measures when he arrived and then when he left 3 years later it was um outstanding um and so his experience of that was that uh there was just it was just all about pressure on the kids ticking boxes just pushing things new ideas every time they went home from work there'd be something else that they had to do and put, put in place mm-hmm. for the next day and it was just stressful I think it was just all about metrics and not about children at all. As well, in London, there's so many schools to choose from. So maybe some people have the really good ones and this was not. Maybe. I'm I'm not... Obviously, most
0: home educators are not great believers that there are brilliant schools anywhere. But uh, but there's certainly I suppose there's better schools than other schools. But realistically, it's still a school system, isn't it? And when you're unschooling, it's the opposite of the school system. I mean, that's literally what it means. So it's interesting that we've so far we've had two unschoolers. And I had another misconception, clearly, that I thought it would be very difficult to run your own business and unschool because obviously the whole point of unschooling is that you're extremely responsive to your child. Um, And I thought, how do you do that and fit that around a business? So maybe we'll come to that. But I want to see whether we're going to get a full house and whether Veronica is also an unschooler. Oh, Claire, you were going to say something. Yeah, I was like, it's all right being
1: very responsive to your child. But when they're a teenager, it's getting them to be responsive back. So it's not always (laughs) that.
0: so true or they don't respond for three months and then they respond with a certain amount of fury and it's like where did this come from you can go back to your room now it's all good you can go yeah. we've talked yeah. We're <laughs> <laughs> okay so that's not true I love my teens teens are wonderful um but they have their own challenges for certain there's no doubt about it okay now Veronica please tell me we've got a full house, although I'm not an unschooler, so I'm afraid I'm still ruining things. But Veronica, tell me, are you yeah. an unschooler?
3: Yeah, um, I mean, I must say that, because my, my children are a lot older than than um, all of you. So they're now, one seven, one's well, going to be 18 and another one is 17, um, 16, going to be 16 this year. So they're both at college. The older one dropped a year. Um, so we were living overseas um, when they were little so I I did a lot of research about you know home education homeschooling unschooling and because we were living in a a quite um quite an isolated town uh, a small area um you know so we, we had quite a lot of limitations and so in terms of of home education unschooling or not um I wasn't fully unschooling um because I felt I did not have the courage and say, okay, I'm just going to dive in. I mean, I didn't have networks, you know, within around me. But I love the idea of giving that freedom and following um, child, children's interests, and we certainly had that because we were living in a small town and we could travel, and you know, just incorporating that. I was with the with the kids because husband was working, and so so we did a lot of that. We did a lot of you know going out, exploring museums, cultures, and things like that. But I, because we were living in a non English speaking environment, so you know, I you know, I, I sort of made sure that that we we kept up with that. Um, so did that in the primary years. But when it came to secondary, um, that's when I thought, goodness, you know, we, if, if I'm going to prepare them to come back to the UK and slot back in um, into the system, then we needed to be thinking. So that's when, you know, began to do some some subjects with online schooling. Um, but our lifestyle allowed us to to have that much more freedom. So we lived in a community that that was very much um, uh, people were very relaxed and they loved it. You know, these people would drop in and say, oh, you know, I was just in the neighborhood, you know, and, and you know, no such thing as calling up. And the kids were, oh, you know, auntie's here, you know, ooh, we, we can miss school and you know, do our work and stuff. And it'd be a time to socialize and play and, you know, listen to conversations or I'd make a meal and things like that. So we had we had those opportunities. And and I think um, because of, of our context, um, Uh, there was just so there were quite a lot of needs and I was involved in some um, community projects so so the kids got to you know be involved in that so there were like one was 10 another one was eight and there was a massive flood in our town and just doing relief work in in that way and then we got involved in food banks local local sort of charity food banks because the society didn't didn't have the the network or the the uh, infrastructure social infrastructure to support you know, a lot of these social issues and problems that were there. So there were a lot of people doing voluntary work and the kids got involved and they met all these people. So so that sort of incorporating that sort of more, you know, giving the children opportunities, exploring their interests and finding out and giving them that freedom, working alongside in, you know, making sure that they, they were sort of ready to sit, you know, GCSEs. And then we came back. So we came back, um, the, and that was in the middle of COVID. And my younger child... He he just needed that academic stimulation. I mean, he he he's very interested, he's very quick and and he's very much more into the maths and the science and completely not not my area. And so he started really well back in the local school. And he's he's done really well and he's he's doing art as well as the maths. And I'm pleased for him. It was the right decision for him. And uh, for my oldest son, um, went back, went to college. And so in that last year, in that year um, when he was transitioning, you know, just before he went to college, that's when I started uh, my Hobart Creatives, you know, started just offering art classes and it's just grown from there. So it was a really nice transition. So I never had a business or or, uh, was earning money or had a business when we were home educating. But this sort of really was a nice flow and still being able to be connected with the home ed community homeschooling community um not just in the UK but you know some contacts around in, in other parts of the world and um yeah so that that's that's my journey <laughs> so what so what you did was
0: actually you home educated while you were living abroad and then as your children transitioned into
3: college that's when you transitioned back into the work world that's right that's right that's right and and i felt that With the way, I mean, the way I do my art classes and and it's not just art, I mean, I've got um, art and stories, but integrating um, literacy and I was just in a conversation with another parent about art and math. So I've taken a lot of the things that I've sort of gleaned from my home education years
0: it's interesting because I'm guessing that you felt that while you were full time home educating and living abroad, that it would have been difficult to pursue your business, or was it just something that you weren't really ready for personally?
3: Um, I, I suppose, yeah, I wanted to be there because because there were challenges living living there. You know, I wanted to be there for the kids. I guess for me, I just wanted just to, to really have to give them, you know, give them an experience, be with them, you know, just to to have that capacity. support them to support the family and also to be involved in our community because we were living in quite a a small town and there were opportunities and you know to to be involved locally and i thought this was a great opportunity for the children to see you know to just really immerse ourselves in a in a different culture but i was also conscious that um because we were living there for, for we had felt that we wanted to stay there for quite a significant amount of time um somebody you know, either my husband or myself, you know, needed to be someone that would would really be there for the kids, commit to that, and be thinking about things, you know, education and, and helping them with the transitioning so that they would, when they come back and they make that transition, it's, they feel, you know, it's, it's, it's as easy as, not easy, but it'll be one that is, um, um, they can embrace quite willingly and support them in that, especially as were coming back when they were a bit older.
0: That's very interesting what you say, Veronica, because I now that leads me to a question for Claire and Kate, because what I did was I home educated all the way through and then I started my business as the children got older when I felt that I had more time to myself. And so that felt then that I was able to dedicate time to the children and then dedicate time to my business. But what I've noticed is as my business has got busier in the last couple of years, there are times when I go to bed at night and, you know, that time when you're in bed and all the dark thoughts come to you. And I think all this time during the day, you know, three, four hours during the day, I didn't make sure that my daughter went out for a walk, even though it was sunny. I didn't didn't check in on my son who's doing his A-levels from home just to make sure that he's all right. I didn't sort of make sure that my daughter sat her mock paper so that's going to have to go over to the next day and in some ways i feel that i'm not doing a very good i'm not doing as good a job as a parent as i was before i started working i feel like little things sort of drop through the cracks that didn't before like veronica says she, when she was home educating she, she th- felt that one parent needed to really focus 100% on the children and I'm not able to do that now because I'm working alongside and I wonder if if either of you two ever feel that do you ever go to bed and think I'm not putting my all into home education or I'm not putting my all into parenting in some ways because I'm working Claire you go tell all us. the bloody time <laughs> <laughs> thank god it's not just me
1: <laughs> I said to my partner last night I said I'm I'm really sort of torn between two parts of me Um, I said one is the one that just wants to be honest about all of the all of the worry that I do and the other one is the one that wants to present this oh this lovely um you can do it all this is yeah yeah superhero (laughs) thing Um, and and I guess that and I said you know I just think I'm just going to be honest Um, and I said I think I guess that um actually it's just it's just both it's it's amazing and superhero and worrying and difficult for me all at the same time.
0: <laughs> Kate, what about you?
2: Yeah, I definitely experienced that. Um, yeah, quite often over the years. But I would also say for us, because we're in a two-parent family, I neither of us wanted one of us to be out working and one of us to be just parenting, even when the children were newborn and we kind of, you know, maternity leave time, Yeah, our vision was for both parents to be fully connected to the children and spending kind of as much as we could equal amounts of time. So for us, it was about designing our life around that. So within six months of moving to Norfolk, my partner quit his job in teaching and we went full time, both of us, into running the GLAMP site. And then we can kind of we've been able to split our time as much as we can between us both having quality time with the kids kind of leading our unschooling lives and us both having work time so like right now um, my partner's taken the kids to a multi-sports class in a local park and then they get the whole day together they often go to the beach and just spend the day kind of doing whatever or come home in the afternoon and do project time and then my full day with them is Thursday and we kind of just have different like rhythms for our week so that one parent isn't spending five days a week trying to home educate them and do the childcare and run a business, and I think that's how we've managed to make it sustainable for us. Um, but I know that's not an option for everybody.
3: Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, I still worry. I mean, no matter. I think, in terms of not worrying, oh goodness, I mean, the kind of worry—it's <laughs> just tremendous every night, you know, and things that need to. And and I think it's it's it is a process, and and it is a shock. I think it is. A, it was a huge shock to see that transition. I mean, the teenage years um, and, and, and then things, and no matter how much we, you know, I might have poured into them, and there are things that they still feel that they missed, they, I mean, they, you know, out of teenage emotions, you know, think, oh, you know, we didn't do this, or I didn't do that, and I think, like, you know, <laughs> you, know, so you had this opportunity to go X, Y, and Z, and whatever, you know, and, and so, yeah, yeah, I think, I think it's just, I think for me, I think it's, 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 just extending um giving them the permission to express and giving myself the permission to to feel that yeah it is hard and it is worrying and I will always will always be mums right I mean whatever whether they're 50 or they're five <laughs> will still be their mums yeah it's been a privilege I mean even the ups and downs the times that I was tired times that I lost it lots you know and um it's it's been I mean whatever it is I guess what I'm trying to say is whatever the situation whatever the the whether whether it's conflict or or whether it's great times is doing life together isn't it?
0: We interrupt this broadcast to remind you to like and subscribe to our podcast and don't forget to join our Home Education Matters Facebook group where you can find details on all our podcasts, any links or resources mentioned, chat to our guests, request upcoming podcasts, and even come on the podcast yourself. Do join us over there. Kate and then Claire, I think you had things to say.
2: Yeah, I was just going to say, I think that that just comes as part of being a parent. Whatever you do, you worry. I think you've got this massive responsibility of other people's lives and as much freedom as you can give them, you're still making decisions for them just from where you live and what you're choosing whether you send them to school whether you home educate whether you run a business whether you dedicate all of your time to home educating unschooling whatever it is um there's always like decisions that you're making and it's so hard when I first became a parent my friends were asking like why why is it so stressful and I was like you're literally making like a million decisions every day for somebody else whatever, everything you say, you feel like, was that the right thing to say? Did I say it patiently enough? You're, you're not perfect. You're doing what you think is best with what you've got right now. And yeah, for each of us, that's what we've, we've done.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. Claire go on you were saying you were going to say. Yeah, something. I
1: can't remember what it was that 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 made me think it but I completely agree with Kate I think you know I was worrying when my son was at school and he was happy there at that you know at some, there was a point when that was all smooth um and uh, and things looked great but I remember worrying then <laughs> anyway um but I just wanted to pick up on something that you said earlier Eleanor uh which reminded me of a mindset change that i put myself through recently which is I, I thought of it as I'm doing a full-time job. I'm doing a full-time looking after the home because my partner's at work all the time Um, and I'm doing full-time home education and it just made everything feel overwhelming. Um, And so I've been, I've been actively trying to shift that mindset to I'm doing all three of these things rather than trying to spin all the plates and one of them always dropping. I'm just doing this one plate for a bit, then this other plate for a bit and they're all integrated. So every time I'm working and every time I'm cleaning the house, my son is still learning from that about, you know, the, the having a responsibility uh, to look after yourself and to provide for your home and things like that. So I don't feel like he's missing out when I'm not doing things directly with him anymore. Uh, but I did all the time. And so I just look at it now as I have a full time life with these three things that that we do at different various stages for different amounts of time and I've really kind of forgiven myself don't look at any of it as full-time anymore because I found that too overwhelming just personally. If you Mm. take
0: that analogy and I think it is a really helpful analogy of the plate spinning one thing I wanted to ask particularly the unschoolers is because you obviously in an unschooling household, and even in, although I'm not an unschooler, I do, I am what's called, you know, an autonomous sort of home educator. So my children decide sort of what they want to do when. Do you find when you've got these multiple plates spinning, does one trump the other? Is one plate more important than the other plates? And Mm -hmm. if so, if you have a conflict between what your child wants and what your business needs, and maybe what you need, is there one that trumps another, or do you try to keep all of them in balance? Who wants to go first with that?
2: There's no such thing as balance, is there? <laughs> I, think, I think it's just um, different, different things take different priorities at different times. And you just, it's finding that flow between all of the different parts of your life and trying to not like get too stressed that you're not putting time into one thing while you're focused on something else. Knowing that, like the time will come when you do that. As long as you've, I think, as long as you've got a clear idea of what's important to you, and like if running a business is important to you, you won't actually drop it long term permanently.
0: I've got a difficult question for you, Kate. So oh, yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> my my question is this: If your children weren't spending two days a week with their grandparents, mm-hmm. would you be able to run your business as you are doing? And if you were a single parent would you be able to do it? And my next one would be <laughs> I've got all these <laughs> scenarios. If you had to put them into a childcare setting in order to run your business, would you still feel that you were that all these things were were sort of like, vaguely balanced or or at least spinning the plates were spinning still?
2: Hmm. Okay, so I'll tackle the first one. Um, yes, I do think that we could home educate and unschool our children and run the businesses that we run while not having the grandparents supporting. And um, that was actually the reason for having the business, the Gump site on our property, so that we could be like the kids. There's often times when we were working and my parent, like me and Seb, would have the kids. My parents would be off the property. And the kids would just be playing football outside, but we'd be within distance. There'd be times where we would put one of them down for a nap in the bedroom, put the monitor on. We got a long distance monitor, 150 metres. We'd be down in the yurts prepping them, greeting guests with a child in a, in a sling. Um, yeah, so fully that is just a bonus that um, enriches our lives, but doesn't stop us from doing the kind of making the choices that we want to make. And... Um, if I was a single parent, was that the next one? I think so. If I was a single parent, um, yeah, I think it would, I, it's hard to know because I've never been a single parent, but it would be harder. I think there would be a lot more challenges. I um, think that I probably wouldn't now be setting up another business as well as the Glamp site. I think that would So be, like Claire,
0: you would, you would simplify things to, think, in order Claire, to reflect your circumstances, right?
2: Yeah, I think I'm a born to be an entrepreneur. I can't kind of, um yeah, I have such a desire in me and I don't like being told what to do. And I like to have that freedom to make my own decisions and make control of my life, take control boarding of Boarding
0: school must have been a riot then.
2: Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was awful. I moved from living in the Caribbean where my parents were at the time to being sent back to England to boarding school to like, it was like a prison. I was just surrounded by it was awful. Traumatic. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I, yeah. Actually, I just wrote a letter to my parents last week talking about the trauma that I experienced. Oh. Fifteen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was a year of crying, pretty much all the time. Of course. Yeah. Um, I think that was like a kind of a catalyst as well. I was like, "There's no way my children are going to school." And then within a year, they my parents moved to um, North America and they homeschooled with um, kind of curriculum-based schooling. But my younger brother for a year over there, and I was like, "Oh no." What? Oh dear! <laughs> that letter insane.
0: must have been quite a long letter that you wrote to them.
2: Yes. Oh, yeah. oh my! They took it really well. There was no blame. It was just me processing, like, yeah, yeah what had happened.
0: Good. Um, so, what? What about my third premise, which is that would you still be happy to continue as you were if you needed to put your children into a childcare setting, for example, for two days a week in order to run your business, or is that at the point at which you would further simplify down?
2: Yeah, it's a tricky one. I see lots of people asking for childminders on Facebook groups, um, like home ed childminders, and I think that is such a great idea. If there, I people don't seem to be able to find them to mm. actually provide that. But I have I have considered that before. There's been times when it's the business has been quite intense, and I've thought, um, yeah, the children just need to be somewhere else for some of the time, so that I've got a bit more space, or me and my partner do. Um I think I think it's a great solution if it's um if you can find a childcare setting that aligns with your values.
0: Thank you. I know they were difficult questions. Don't worry, I'll be piling difficult <laughs> questions onto everybody. I'll be very fair <laughs> with my difficult questions. One yeah, thing I'm that. I'm really sensing is that we all chose jobs that fitted with our home education so Kate really right from the start you chose a job that would fit with unschooling and raising children sort of outdoors and you know autonomous and Claire you actually adapted your existing business so that it fitted better with home education because I think you said didn't you that you changed your business and your, and you started home educating around about the same time. Yeah. And Veronica, exactly the same with you. You actually started your business when you were eight, when the children were transitioning to college. And, and I know that for me, when my children got to the age when they were about nine and 10, that's when I was able to study to do my master's with the long-term view of then being able to sort of support myself and have my own business. And so it, it's like we all put fairly careful thought into our business choices so claire i've got a question for you <laughs> a hard one because i like to spread them around so claire okay. if you weren't able to do to work from home for example would you be able to have taken your child out of school
1: uh no not with the kind of work that i do because it's not the sort of thing i could have took him with me and when he was a bit younger his energy would have been quite disruptive um, he wasn't able to, he found socialising incredibly difficult. So, he, you know, if we were in groups where there was other children, he would just sit in the corner. We couldn't go to birthday parties because he would just sit outside with his hands over his ears saying, can I go home now? Hmm. So um, at that time, because of his ex- additional needs that he had then, um, it would not have been possible. I would need to be home for him
0: do so you no, ever the answer
1: there.
0: <laughs> do you ever feel that you you yourself are missing out from not being able to go to work for example so you you yourself perhaps feel more isolated or more, more lonely from not having maybe the school run school mums at the gate um colleagues that kind of thing no you're shaking your head <laughs>
1: uh, i i miss i miss colleagues uh in the sense that if you're in a job where you get on with everybody, that's great. And there's been several times in my life when that's been the case. And I do miss those the camaraderie of those days. Um, but I find another way to to fill that gap with my current friend group and family. Um, so I think if I'd have had to, but um, but with the I was, the other part of the question, which was the do I miss the school run and the school gates? My experience of um, the types of people that were at the school gates wasn't particularly pleasant and I tended to just drop the child and run as quickly as possible so uh, no I don't oh, miss that one iota
0: <laughs> oh I see I've my children never been to school so I've never I've got these rather halcyon ideas of what of you know mothers chatting happily and inviting each other out for coffee and stuff Me
1: too. they, they weren't my kind of people <laughs>
0: We'll leave it there just in case they're listening, which I think is very unlikely to a home education. (laughs) (laughs) Veronica, I've got a tough question for you then. And this is my last tough question. Don't worry. I won't ask lots more after this. Do you ever feel that when you were putting your business life on hold, do you look at all the work you're doing now and how much pleasure and enjoyment you get from it and feel a kind of seething resentment that you weren't able to do it 10 years ago? Or are you very zen about your
3: choice? Oh, I'm I'm just so thankful because I think um, I'm so thankful for those years that I had with the kids. I think um, I, I, I'm just so thankful because um, I, I think especially for children. I mean, I read quite a lot about children living abroad, third culture kids, you know, issue things, and and I just wanted to I wanted to make sure that because I, it was a decision that we made about living abroad, I did not want the children to. I wanted them to have, you know. Um, good memories but also feel supported Mm. and and you can do all you can right I mean they're they're still you know so they they have been we've had conversations um I'm not sure if I get a long letter but you know we've had conversations and and and, um process it through with them so so we shall see um I
0: suspect as mothers we're all going to get a long letter at some point in our life (laughs) No matter how my daughter pretty much sent it me this morning, actually. So, pretty much, no matter how well we think we're doing, we're all going to get that. (laughs) I I have boys, so I might get a text. (laughs) You're you're very fortunate. Yes, Claire, what are you going to say? There's a saying in therapy if it's not one thing, it's your mother. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know that is true, but really annoys me because always, as a life coach, I'm always so careful not to blame the parents because I think, particularly, mothers talk about broad shoulders. It's always always our fault always
1: it's never blamed because they had parents too
0: <laughs> yeah transgenerational right although yeah. this is something that Kate you're you're stopping that transgenerate transgenerational kind of thing right you're saying it stops at this generation and from here we unschool right
2: yeah exactly yeah trying to um challenge that trauma and not pass it on any further <laughs>
0: That's nice. I like that idea. I do like that idea. In in actual fact, I think we're all first generation homeschoolers, right? Or home educators. Yeah. 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 Everyone's nodding. Yeah. I mean, there weren't that many, were there? Veronica, what are you going to say?
3: Yeah, I I was going to say, too, that that, you know, I think my years of of home educating um, enabled me to do what I do now um, with the way I I design and approach the classes. And um, yeah, so I, I think It's just drawing from that experience and and giving it back, you know. I I love that Mm because that's
0: actually going to lead me on to my next question, which is how many of us feel that our experience as home educators has impacted either the business we've chosen or how we run our business? Because I know from my perspective, I would never have considered becoming a life coach if I hadn't had children, Mm. because before that. Um, I just was a pretty hard and cynical kind of person and uh, and it's only really as I had children I grew to love people so which sounds terrible um, Kate <laughs> yeah. what were you going to say?
2: <laughs> yeah for me being a parent has been like the most amazing personal development journey has mm. like just I think even before I discovered unschooling and that that was what I wanted to take it was bringing up so many different things just challenges that I had to confront In just being a parent and then when i started exploring unschooling and um that freedom that i wanted my children to have it has just yeah challenged so much and had to like make me rethink so many different things limiting beliefs and shift all of that so that i can kind of come as pure to being a parent as possible which is actually completely impossible. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Does it it affect how you run your business? Do you kind of
0: those autonomous principles do you find they extend into your business in some ways?
2: Yeah well my coaching um, I am supporting women to create the life of their dreams and to go back to their natural authenticity so that is like completely related because that's what we've kind of had layered on top of us from schooling from parenting and we have all of this baggage and I'm trying to raise my children without all of that or as much as I can but um, I'm supporting women to remove that and to get back to their their natural styles so that they can then actually figure out what's most important to them and design their lives around that rather than retiring and living with regrets and holding Mm. on to all of that. So, yeah. In actual
0: fact, I've got a question in a minute that I think will will we'll sort of uh, I'd be very interested to get your perspective on then. but Claire, do you find that when you're designing your websites that somehow your your uh, your home education experience infiltrates into your websites? Do you put little subliminal messages unschooling, unschooling that kind of thing <laughs> <laughs> No, <laughs> no.
2: I'm, I'm quite um, relieved
0: because I think that would be unethical. <laughs> absolutely,
1: uh, no. I think um, well, actually, maybe yes, um, but not in a way you would think. So not deliberate. So what it's done is is it's it's made me understand how different ways people learn and take in information, and that has helped me. Uh, learn and taking information in different ways in my business and to provide that information to my clients in a way that suits them rather than how it should be done so now um I started off by following a model, which is how all the other website designers do, which is you ask the client what they like, what their favorite color is, what, what things they want. Um, and then you go off and build it and you give it to them and then they're stuck with it and they don't know what to do with it. And, you know, there's no other information. It's just like uh, here's your website. Bye sort of thing. And so my, the way I do it is it's a series of meetings that we have on Zoom where I'm coaching you for your website and we're recording it because what happens is people sit down to type their about me or whatever and go <laughs> oh I don't know what to say or they'll type something out and it sounds too formal and it's not really their own true voice but when I'm saying to them okay so what why are you passionate about what you're doing tell me all about it and the people that you've helped and give me some examples and they go oh it's amazing because blah 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 and all this amazing content comes out and it came from coaching where I'm like we should have recorded that because this is what you need to put on your website this is the true you and the reason for doing it and none of this other formal crap just be yourself but mm. in a professional way um and so I started offering that as a service where we just record it and I talk to you about what you do and then um and then I transcribe it afterwards and send you the content
2: mm. and you have it so, ready
1: made in your own words
0: <laughs> so for you Claire one of the values you've taken from home education into your business is is the importance of listening, listening to people and sort of like t- respecting their voices. And and for you, Kate, I get the impression that it's authenticity and being able to be your authentic self. And for me, for, it's very much all about autonomy. So for me, all my life coaching is very much focused on sort of uh, empowering people to be autonomous. And that's I definitely get that from the home education. So what about you, Veronica? What what value do you think from home education
3: that you take forward into your business? Um. Oh, several. I think I think one aspect is, I mean, just taking on from what you've mentioned, autonomy, um, in terms of, you know, for the children in my classes, um, I often get asked, um, oh, is it okay if I, whatever, you know, is it okay if I do it in this way? I said, of course it is. You know, I said even if you don't see if we're doing bears and, you know, you just don't, you know, feel like doing a bear and you want to make it into some, that bear inspires you to do something else, then go for it and run with it. And and to just see the joy on their faces, and um, we've, we've been doing bears lately. And so one of the girls has been saying, you know, I really feel like giving this. We were doing panda, you know, I, I really feel like giving this bear a, a, a jacket. You know, and I say, yeah, go for it. And what was interesting was that sort of sparked off um, some ideas and others. And, and that's what hap- you know happens in the class. But what I tried lately really, was I was telling another group, oh, you know, in this other group, this girl, you know, she wanted to get give, give the, the bear a, a, a jacket. And that sort of, you know, there was one child in each class, this uh-huh. one child would actually do that, you know, and they they interpret it and you know, what gave it something else. Or, and it's just been fascinating um, seeing that. So, so you know, they take on um, the children are given that, you know, to be creative, to explore their their artistic voice. So that's one thing. And I think the other aspect is, um, especially I, I noticed in the teenage years where, you know, it, it got quite lonely at one point, especially for the my older, older child. And so I felt that, no, this is what I wanted to do to, to give a, a platform, a way for children to connect with other home ch- um children. So all my classes are live. And they're interactive, and um, I'm often known for my laughter. You know, I says, "Oh, Ronica, you're laughing." <laughs> you know, and so I, I've got children who, um, if they go on holiday, I mean, within reason, if they go on holiday, they would they would join in on location wherever they are because they don't want to miss the class. They just don't want to, and and I believe it's not it's not so much of what I deliver, but the the atmosphere and and the. Being able to connect and to just get ideas and be inspired by each other, and I, I just love that collaborative um, nature. Um, but yet, giving giving the children to choose what they want to to take on, not just from me, you know, but from each other, and something that somebody says sparks off an idea, and and you know, and it's just wonderful to be together. And we're all different, you know. There's some that are really quiet, um, some that I just have to just press the mute button for a little bit. <laughs> that somebody else gets a chance you know and you know so so yeah just having that and and i think i think um yeah just facilitating that so for me for me that that's key
0: that's great so i think probably you know you're talking there the values of creativity and and embracing non-conformity as well right allowing a child to i mean and and if you can't do that in art you can't do it anywhere, can you because art is wonderfully non-conformist and my final question for you all is all about imposter syndrome because I was talking to another home ed mum the other day and I was telling her that I was writing an article and something like that and she looked at me with a wry smile and she said you don't suffer from imposter syndrome do you and I and I kind of went should i <laughs> <laughs> no, should, should I should I be? Um, and it occurred to me that a lot of a lot of women of our age do suffer from imposter syndrome and and do find it difficult to sort of say, "I'm good at this. I'm doing this. I'm managing this. I'm handling this." And I wonder whether anyone else here sort of has ex- any experience of imposter syndrome. And I know Kate, you were talking a little bit about, you know, sort of empowering women. Uh, to be themselves and to to sort of acknowledge who they are. And I think a lot of uh, imposter syndrome must come into that a lot, right?
2: Yeah, it certainly does, yeah. And I think, yeah, I've experienced it at all different stages of business and home ed, imposter syndrome and comparing myself to people that are full-time home edging, definitely feeling like, um, yeah, that I don't have the capacity or the capability to do it all, yeah. (laughs) do you not feel that you're a full-time home educator then I do I feel like I'm a full-time everything everything (laughs) yeah (laughs) um but I'm not able to give my children the hands-on time that someone who has no other kind of income earning responsibilities um does so it can be really hard to compare yeah I actually, um, maybe four years ago, I joined a homeschool um, business owning membership in America because I couldn't find anyone here who I could like share that side of my life with because I felt like everybody was going off to all these things and I was getting messages like, let's go to the beach, let's do this, let's do this. And we've kind of got our week quite neatly designed and kind of we've got our rhythms and there's only certain days when we can actually go and do adventures. But we design that in as a crucial part of our lives. But it means that when my parents have them on a Friday, they can't go to the beach with some friends because my parents have got their plans and they're doing their thing. And so yeah, I feel like sometimes they're missing out on different sides that they could do. But my response to that was actually to design um or to create an unschooling community for our family to kind of center around so that we had this core group of people that we were meeting up with every week on a day that we knew worked for us every week and um so i've had to put a lot of energy into creating that and it's just been the most beautiful community of people that have come together over the last year Um, and so yeah the gap that i felt in my unschooling life and feeling like imposter syndrome that i yeah couldn't really achieve what i wanted to in that side figured out a solution to it (laughs) so so what what you've
0: done to sort of banish your imposter syndrome is is evidence-based you've kind of like created situations and and problem solved your way around that rather than sort of maybe sort of counteracting the mindset issue so much
2: oh well there's there's so much mindset work going on behind the (laughs) scenes every single day Mm. (laughs) journaling (laughs) is just part of my daily life um yeah there's there's a lot of that for sure um, but yeah, no, I just, um, took control of the situation and took action to make something happen. So I was identified a gap and where I didn't feel like I was, um, showing up in the way that I wanted to. And then, um, yeah, found a solution. That's good. But that, in fact,
0: that's quite often what you have to do in home education, right? If the group doesn't exist, you create it. Claire?
1: Uh, yeah. Imposter syndrome in the tech world is rife because it's oh, full oh, of experts. <laughs> So as soon as you say you can do something, then you're automatically Ah. good at tech. Um, And there's just such a vast amount of it, you can't possibly know all of it. So um, in, in my networking circles, I was always introduced as the tech guru or the expert on this or the expert on that. And I used to feel myself visibly shrinking in my chair going, don't call me that because someone might find out that there's this one program that someone wrote somewhere that I don't understand. And that therefore doesn't make me an expert. So I used to really panic about it. And I spoke to my own coach about it. and, And she said, so why don't you just put that on your website? Why don't you just say that you're an expert in some areas, but not in all of them? So feel free to ask me anything. And if I don't know the answer, I'll let you know.
0: And I was like, "Oh, that's so simple." That was about just being honest about what who you are and who you're not. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Veronica? Have you ever found oh. yourself tremendous?
3: <laughs> it's taken I mean, art has been. I mean, I it's interesting because I've always loved art, um, just never had the opportunity to pursue it and do. And then in the last, um, you know, a few years before we came back, um, I, I, I knew that we were going to leave and there was a grieving process, you know, and I, I wanted to give myself the permission to grieve that we would leave, be leaving. And so I began to draw things that I loved and I, I that that I liked about the culture food, you know, things that I will miss when we come back to Cold England and things. And, um, and people were saying, oh, this is really, really pretty. This is really nice. You should sell it. Things like that. And I always thought, no, no. You know, I always felt I'm not good enough I'm not this is not right and so then I began researching about you know began following artists and things and then I began to see this that amongst women I mean about about you know our age or your age really and you older or younger um who were beautiful artworks and they began talking about this whole thing about imposter syndrome I mean just talking about never feeling it's good and I think goodness this is rife you know I mean this is this is not just me and and working through that really working through that and and now with the children um in in in, you know in the classes um and i noticed that with just having read i mean usually if you think about it you know children just love drawing right i mean as toddlers and stuff but they get to a certain age eight nine ten depending especially when they hit before when they hit puberty i mean it's like Oh, this is not good. You know, I have one child that says, Oh, this is a complete fail. And she's been in the class for nearly two years. And and I and she knows my, my normal line. And I and I say there's no no such thing as a fail. And she just smiles, you know, she just knows my, I would always say that. But recently, another girl has just joined in and she's just very direct, you know. And so after a few weeks, this girl you know this girl saying oh it's a complete fail and I said oh come on you know I, you know I always say that it's never it's, there's no such thing as a fail and this other girl says why are you always so negative you know <laughs> she was just so direct and, and this other girl needed to hear that you know and, and she mm. took it really well because she's, she's just very she's funny and very direct and things and it, it's just fascinating And and actually the more um women, you know, obviously talk about it. I mean, the fact that we can talk about it in Boxer Syndrome and we talk about it, and especially in the art world, I mean, it's just tremendous. Um, I recently bought this book, um, The Story of Art by Katie Hessel, but it says without men. I don't know if you've seen this. Um, And it's just it's just being, she's you know, she's just writing about about um, from from one perspective. Obviously, all history books are, have a certain bias, a certain point. So she's she's going through the centuries. I mean, not not exhaustive, obviously, but about women in art, and it's just fascinating to see you know the resistance that women have had to to do. I mean, in all parts, and the resilience of of women. Um, and so for me, I, I feel that it's it's such joy with with art in my art classes because I am you know enabling these children to see it's okay what I do it's fine and it may not be like Picasso or whatever it doesn't matter you know we all start somewhere and and I love showing them sketches of artists and say look you know at that and and recently um, at the National Gallery there's this amazing painting by Manet and um, of another artist, Eva Gonzalez. And we don't hear much about her, but it's this beautiful, huge, massive piece. And the National Gallery did some, like um, an X-ray of the, of the piece. And you can actually see the um p- p- places where, where he had actually scraped off the oils. And I was showing it to the children. I said, look, look at that. I mean, that's look at the number of times he corrected that piece. And apparently that painting took about at least 30 sittings, you know. And, um, and they were like, oh, wow. And I said, it's like seeing his, the faces where he erased, you know, what we would have erased. And to see the, their faces light up, that it's OK, you know, it's OK. You have someone so, who produced such amazing artworks.
2: Yeah, um, well, I was just going to say that our, with the basis of our unschooling is being life learners. And that has given me permission to take on that role as my, for myself. And to see mm. that I'm not gonna be an expert at anything like on day one, I'm gonna start this business and I'm gonna figure it out as they go along. One of the projects mm. we took on in 2018 was to build a straw bale roundhouse from basically the ground up with our hands and not knowing what we were doing. And the kids came basically. along with us, it took us like two and a half years, and we keep coming across people who say what did you what made you want to do that like why did you start did you have the skills then you just figure it out you just learn as you go but you've got to take action um and so yeah I kind of remind myself when I get that imposter syndrome that I'm not going to be an expert I was born with like none of this knowledge all I have is like my own kind of authenticity and then I've just got to learn and yeah be a life learner off the back of both
1: of both of you there it's that uh, a question came up for me is is natural talent just fearless mistakes in disguise <laughs>
0: <laughs> i think every artist would say yes to that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one thing one thing i think comes through from what veronica was saying but also i think perhaps what we all experience is that i think mothers in particular uh struggle to monetize things that they do because so much of what we do isn't paid and isn't sort of isn't societally valued in a kind of monetary way. And I wonder whether to a degree, there's an element of, of that fear of um wanting to charge for what we do and that fear of saying yes it has value and it is worthy I'm worth being paid and I wonder whether that links into imposter syndrome for anyone I mean I mean it doesn't for me because I don't have it as was clearly made apparent but I wonder <laughs> if uh, if for other people maybe they 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 feel that link between should I actually be charging for this Claire
1: yeah, I think I've definitely seen it in myself and in a lot of my clients, for sure. Um, I think that's probably what the crux of um, imposter syndrome is, isn't it? It just comes from I'm not good enough. Um, mm-hmm. And if you don't feel good enough with what you're doing, then you wouldn't feel good enough to charge for it. Why would mm-hmm. anyone have to pay for it? That sort of thing. And I've helped a lot of people through that uh, because you've spent your entire life learning to be who you are now. And that's, that's a, a bloody good value. And so I quite often take people back to like, child, like early childhood and say, what was you interested in? What did you like? What life lessons have you learned? And I just build up this portrait of this person uh, who's been life educated, not just academically educated. And we look at all of it and the value in that. Um, and for sole traders who, who I mostly deal with, small trade, sole traders and small businesses, it's much easier because you are your business and there isn't another you so mm. you absolutely are the best at being that yeah. you just need to learn about that and mm. see where that came from and recognize it that there isn't any competition
0: <laughs> yeah that is so true and i think yes. that is such a good point to make before we finish i wonder whether everybody could there there'll be people listening who want to home educate but perhaps feel that they can't because they'd have to leave their job or you know that they worry about how they would do it financially or they worry about how they would juggle running their own business and home educating so I wonder if you could each say something like one or two lines to these people who might be listening who might be thinking you know they're doing it but I can't do it because I can't run websites and I don't have you know, 20 acres to build a glamping site. And, you know, my children aren't off to college yet, for example, or I haven't done a master's or whatever. They might be thinking to compare themselves to us. And I wonder whether there's any reassurance or support that anyone could think of to give them. I'll go first to give you all time to think. So I suppose what I would say is that um, for anyone listening, try to focus on what you can do rather than what you haven't got or any limitations or you know any circumstances that maybe aren't you know so instead of thinking i don't have this i can't do that Think about all the things you can do and all the things you do have, because when you flip it that way, when you shift your mindset that way, there's so many things that we, so many things that we have that are of value, so many characteristics and qualities that we have that that can be monetized and and are worthy of being monetized. So I suppose that's what I would say. So would anyone else like to give some words of advice to any listeners who might be on the fence about it, Veronica?
3: Yeah, I'd say that. Um... You know, the home ed community is so huge and there's so many, it's grown so much um, over the years. And and I think there's just just, just ask, do don't be afraid to ask. And if it's you can't get your answer in one group, you know, try another group and 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 just build that that network and and, and ask, yeah.
0: that's true we're all here to support everyone else in it and sometimes the home education groups can be a bit scary but if you pick the right ones they're generally everyone's very (laughs) lovely (laughs) sometimes they're slightly less lovely but normally they're very lovely Claire did you have something you wanted to say
1: yeah so I think uh, for me my advice would be both of the things that you guys have said already Um, but also along with ask yourself if you're thinking of this as an option there's a reason why how important is that? Why?
0: Mm, I like that. I like that I like too. Yeah, because if you if you need it enough, you'll find a way. It, mm. it reminds me of that bad um, that bad film with Kevin Costner. It was like if you plant it, they will grow, or something. Oh, no If dream. you grow it, they will come. Or I don't even yeah. know. I don't well, know. it's I don't know. not that but simple. But <laughs> 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 I, I I don't want to end the podcast on a Kevin Costner quote. So, Kate, please save us. <laughs>
2: I think, um, the key is to get really creative and to think differently. If you're wanting to home educate, that's different to what everybody around you is typically doing, then it, it requires thinking differently and thinking creatively and getting outside of the box a bit and finding a way to make it work. And you've all got, as you, as you three have already said, there's so many skills, there's so many different ways of making it work. Um, but it's got to come from if it's important to you yeah get creative and make it happen don't regret it
0: they are that is much better than a kevin costner quote that is a kate quote so we'll end on a kate quote (laughs) (laughs) so thank you so much everyone for joining me today it was really lovely and for anyone listening there is a Facebook group called Home Education Businesses, which is full of all of us who basically home educate and run a business. Um, and it's my group, so I can guarantee it's nice because I run it and make sure it is. Um, and uh, and of course, we have the Home Education Matters Facebook group for anyone who would like to come on and chat with any of our guests today. So thank you so much, Claire. Thank you, Veronica. Thank you, Kate, for the inspiring quote at the end, and um, and for all of your other contributions. So thank you, everybody, and uh, hope you. everyone's enjoyed. Thank listening. you thank you thank you so much for joining us for today's home education matters podcast see you at the next one have a lovely day